Welcome, truth seekers all across the fruited plain. I'm your host, Kim S. Anderson, bringing you Civics Made Simple. Hashtag we are exceptional. These are bite-sized civics lessons designed for you to take and share wherever you go. These are important times. Times that American citizens like you and me need to know how our rights came to be and the responsibilities that go along with them. Today's lesson is about the types and forms of government. You are going to get a real eye-opening lesson when you start to see and compare terms for the formation of government and see how they are being acted out today in our form of government. It is going to be eye-opening. So sit back, enjoy, and maybe even take notes on this pre-recorded message. So let's dive in. Let's talk about the forms of government. Now, we have been talking, we've, we've, you know, if you've seen some of the other videos, which is really cool because I'm bouncing around, but just give me a second, is that some of the video, the videos are done in a sequential order um, in relation to the civics lessons that can be found at Alpha Omega Publishings. We're actually using their course, but each lesson in and of itself, if you see it out of order, it's okay. So don't fret, don't worry about that, but just take each lesson and then if you see them in order or out of order, that doesn't matter because each lesson can stand on its own. So today we're going to talk about forms of government. And you might say, well, you know, why is this relevant? How do I need to know this? Well, it's good because you'll understand, one, why this country was founded and, and what the model was really supposed to be. Are we on target? Are we far from it? Are we close to it? Or do we need a course correction? So it's good to know what the forms of government are. So we're going to do like a historical synopsis of the forms of government. So let's get to it. The first one, now you might think this is kind of a, kind of crazy, but the first form of government I just want to mention to you is called a theocracy. And you might go, what's a theocracy? Check this out. Just like I said, you might think this is kind of crazy, but a theocracy is a form of government where God is recognized as the supreme ruler. I know, I'm just saying. The example that I can give you of this would be the biblical um, example of the nation of Israel, where they were led by God. So there are some modern day examples, but I'm just giving you an overall definition and then we'll get to examples, okay? The next is an oligarchy. Say that three times fast, right? <laughs> an oligarchy. An oligarchy is when you have a rule by a few. Um, an autocracy, I mean, these words are crazy. You've got theocracy, oligarchy, autocracy is when there is rule by one person. A democracy, now see that will that word will ring in your ears, but let's let's see what the definition of a democracy is, is a rule by the people. Okay, sounds good. Then you have a republic, which is similar to a democracy, but it is a government run by representatives who are elected democratically by the people. Okay? So let's break these down. An oligarchy. Usually what that means is it's a group, and it may consist of a group of folks that are um, wealthy or have power, and those people get to decide the rule of law. Now, nations like Russia, when they were under communism, England and the Roman Empire have at times been governed by an elite group of people. 
Now, you could ask yourself and you could say to yourself, these days, is America, is, is America an oligarchy? Hmm. In the sense of the, in the definition. So just, just hold that for thought, okay? Let's go to an, a, a, I can say this word, an autocracy or a monarchy. And I'm going to follow along and move along in my lesson. Hang on one second. It's a little breezy this morning. So we're out here by the pool and stuff. Okay. An autocracy or a monarchy, um, these, were, these were countries that were frequently ruled by a king who checked this out. My husband's holding the camera for me. Who, who claimed that they were given the authority to rule by divine right. So... And we're talking historically. We're not necessarily talking modern-day governments. But historically, monarchs said that they were given this authority to rule over you by God. Isn't that something? And generally, and this is still pretty true today, the position of monarch or king was passed down from generation to generation with the eldest child becoming the next monarch. And the, the example of that for us is, is you know, the, the most uh, current modern-day modern monarch would be like the Queen of England, who she was the oldest, her father was the king, she was the oldest, and she became queen. Now, she has ruled so long that her son, I don't think, is ever going to be king, and it'll just skip to her grandson. But that's another video for another time. Just trying to get the understanding. So, countries that have at least by one time been ruled by a monarchy would be England, Spain, Brazil, and France. France has had a whole bunch of things in their, in their history, a whole bunch of different forms of government. Now, interesting enough, let's talk about autocratic governments. I think I need to say that word and write that word like three times fast. An autocratic government can also be known or called um, a tyranny or a dictatorship. Those are not necessarily what we want. When the main characteristic is that all power and authority of an autocratic government is vested in one person. That is scary, my friends, in one person. Now, back in the early uh, 20th century, Russia was, was ruled by czars before they became communists till they became what they are now. Um, and in general, the czars were considered benevolent. They were, they were good to the people and they wanted to be good for the people. But then you also have things like um, Argentina, where Juan Perón ruled selfishly. And we can even look at, you know, things in our own hemisphere in Cuba where um, Fidel Castro was the dictator. He said what happened, and he was the one person that was in charge of what went on in Cuba. And so that's kind of a dangerous thing because if that person doesn't have a heart for the people, then the people can be easily oppressed by the rule of that one person, isn't that? I mean, it's so crazy, but the rule of one person can can dictate what happens to millions and millions of people. And so I want to go into another sort of topic. Let me grab some water really quick. As um, you know, prior to um, the founding fathers, I want to sort of mention religion and government sort of went hand in hand. And I want to talk about the benefits that happened as the Roman Catholic Church became um, sort of a form of government from about 1500, 500 to 1500 AD. Not doing any, any bashing, just sort of want to give a, 
um, historical understanding and perspective of some of the good things that came out of um, that time period, okay? And there were contributions that the church made, the Roman Catholic Church made to the governing of people. That's what we're talking about, forms of government, okay? What they did, um, which probably before that time, laws and government weren't connected from a moral and a civil perspective. And so, um, in the, it's so, it's so funny to say in the 500s, but in the 500s, um, Justinian, who was an emperor of the Eastern Empire, actually did something pretty unique. He created something that was called the Code of Civil Law. Now, the synopsis of the Code of Civil Law is this, is he worked to develop the practice of, of law also based on what is right, not just what a government or a monarch or a dictator or a tyrannist would want to, to, to have happen to the people. He said the law should be civil and they should be right. They should be just. And so he was the first person that sort of put it in a, in a book form for others to follow. And I tell you, um, the founding fathers of this country decided um, and understood that human law, human law needs the support of moral law. So that was very, very important. And the other thing that the church did at that time was provide protection um, for the people who were participating in government, which was, once again, um, something that wasn't pretty much done before then. So moving on. And I also think one of the things that our founding fathers took from that period was the was the importance of religious freedom. Um, English citizens, religious freedom wasn't necessarily an important um, step for them in their in you know in their their laws and things like that. But here, once um, the founding fathers started writing the Constitution, religious freedom became a very very important um, cornerstone of who we would become as a nation based on that understanding. So, um, as we keep moving forward in the lesson, I'm doing good on time. All right. A couple of things that are important. We, we, we won't dive deep into this, but um, I'm going to switch over to England now. And one of the major documents that was signed in England in 1215 was the Magna Carta. And what this did, it gave landowners... Um, limited power, it limited the power of the king and forced the English king to consider the participation of other landowners in British law. So that was a very groundbreaking um, statute that people still look to today. So 1215, the Magna Carta, you can do some research on that part yourself. And another thing that happened around this time is we're moving forward to modern day, not quite modern day, but we're getting there. So from 1100 to 1300, um, some universities began to spring up. And these were considered schools of thought where people could go and express their ideas. Um, we have um, the University of Paris in France and Oxford and Cambridge. There's a bug. Oxford and Cambridge in England. Um, and people came from all over to these places and these learning centers to express their thoughts, you know. Um, and another key, key thing happened as we're moving forward, moving down the timeline of history in forms of government. In 1456, 
Gutenberg invented the printing press. And I dare say that invention has literally transformed mankind because laws began to be written and for other people to then read and understand and the course of history literally changed because of the printing press. So moving on, um, in England, historical events changed and then they became known as what's called a constitutional monarchy. So they still had a monarch because, you know, they still have a monarch today, but they became a constitutional monarch. And this form of government for them um, actually sort of created the English parliament. Um, and it included the participation of citizens, which is the cornerstone of a republic. Now, um, let's go. I'm getting through this lesson. We're, we're doing good. We're doing good on time, right? Let's talk about a democracy. Because I, have, I hear all the time people say that America, the United States, is a democracy. And that's not completely true. It's not incorrect, but it's not totally correct. Um, a democracy ends up being... A majority rule. You guys like the birds? They, they like the lesson. So <laughs> just keep flying. Keep going. All right. So focus, Kim. Focus, focus. So a democracy basically became a majority rule. Now, what happened prior to stricter forms of government was that with a democracy, um, one, people couldn't be protected because if you simply needed a majority, then someone could either one be charismatic and they could sway um, the minority to becoming the majority even though that rule of law may not be the best thing for the people um, or you could have force being exerted upon citizens to vote a certain way because another particular group had power and wanted to keep it so a democracy in in theory and in essence if you're a smaller country, it might be something that you can work with. But as our founding fathers were looking to create this land, they knew that they sort of had to scale up and a democracy might work well in Virginia or a democracy might work well in Rhode Island. But as you start to encompass the whole country and what it could become to enforce a democracy would be hard pressed without it becoming violent, without it becoming um you know, mob rule. And so they knew that it was like, we kind of want a democracy, but we don't want to be a completely democratic country. Um, because it becomes hard to protect, it becomes hard to protect and serve the citizenry as a democracy. If one vote changes everything in a democracy, then majority and mob rule really could come into effect. And when you're talking about a nations of millions of people, how do you um, how do you scale that for the protection of all? And so, on its face, a democracy seems good, but for a, a, a country as the size of ours, a democracy was not going to work. So, our founding fathers came up with this brilliant. I'm actually came up with this brilliant thought process that what they really wanted and what they really wanted to create was a constitutional republic or a representative republic, which is sort of the more true definition of what we are in America. We are a representative republic whose representatives are democratically elected. Isn't that crazy? So it's, it's, we use the democratic process to vote. 
on candidates and the candidates that get the most are now our representatives and they represent us, but we are to still stay engaged with our representatives so that they don't become an oligarchy and an elite class that then turn around and try to rule us. We have to remember that our representatives were elected by us for us, not the other way around. And so can you see how there have been some aspects of our country now that, that almost seem, if I can say this, oligarchy-ish? <laughs> But we have to remember and put our representatives, our elected representatives in check so that they can remember and we can remember that they represent us, the people, for the people. So we'll next be talking about limits in government. And that's a good thing, too, because government should be limited. It shouldn't run and rule our lives. Um, we'll be talking about civil society and government. These are going to be some really quick lessons that we get to. Um, the relationship of limited government to uh, political and economic freedom, that should be a really, really good lesson. And so we've got some good things coming up. Stay tuned for that. I think that's it. Am I good? All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Have a wonderful time. Bye-bye now. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Civics Made Simple. This is your host, Kim S. Anderson, inviting you to visit our site, kimsanderson.me.me for the latest and most up-to-date information on our podcast and our store. Follow us at hashtag WeAreExceptional on Instagram and Twitter. God bless, and we'll see you next time.